Well, she felt like she was being a scapegoat. And she honestly was, actually. And just felt like everybody was making her a scapegoat. They were saying that uh, she was responsible for all the terrible things that had happened. It was her fault. Everything bad that had happened was her responsibility. Hi, it's Barry here again from Turning the Page with another um, podcast or video that you may be watching or listening anywhere where you are. Um, thanks for turning up again. <laughs> but today's topic, like last week's, is about this whole thing of being a scapegoat. And for this particular person, there was a real pattern of abuse that she had experienced for a very, very long time. Uh, we'll call her Jenny, but Jenny remembered as a child that once her mother had broken a cup, okay, she knocked it and it fell on the lawn, on the floor and smashed. But somehow it was Jenny's fault. And then, uh, like the vicious words just rained down. And like when you are a child, that sort of stuff just becomes concrete truth, doesn't it? You haven't got the the adultness to actually sift it through. And now um, <clears throat> she felt like she was a human receptor for other people's stuff, that she was wired for it. And, yeah, anything that went wrong, she took the blame. Even when they didn't blame her or say it was her fault, she still, for some strange reason, felt she was to blame. And she reasoned that it, it must be something to do with her, like she was a failure. And so she caused all these bad things to happen. You see, Jenny had a big, ugly, smelly goat bleating in her brain. And, and this belief entered early into her brain when she started to you know, receive the abusive message from others. And then she, she sort of took it on as part of her own identity. You know, the scapegoat was as much of her identity as a goat's cheese is made of milk. <laughs> you know, and her depression was worsening. And as the guilt and pile and shame piled up, her anxiety was was building. And she just waited for the next um, guilt-filled message to be handed out for her, her to take in. And she was tired, really, really tired. You know, the goat and its bleating were keeping up all at night and alert all through the day. But now, um, she was beginning to wake up to the bleating, the blaring, and the destructiveness of its voice. And um, if you want to read a bit more about what a scapegoat is, then, or listen to it, um, go back to last week's episode. But if you feel like you have been made a scapegoat, and all of us, for, at some stage in our life, we will have been made a scapegoat for some time, then it's actually time to stop the abuse. And it actually starts with you. And in this post, I've got sort of six keys I found to help stop being a scapegoat. And I suppose, you know, we can't control how other people treat us. You know, that is solely in their hands. But we can control, we can control how we respond to what they say and do. And, and as a result, we can actually learn to care for our inner self and give it the love and respect it actually really deserves. So here are six keys to stop being the scapegoat. Number one, know your worth and value. 
Look, as a little question, on a heart level, and in all honesty, do you consider yourself as having incredible worth and value? Like, on a scale of 10, what does your heart truly say, with, with one being uh, of not much value, of, like of Jenny, um, and 10 being of, I have incredible value and beauty? Not in a prideful way, but just in knowing. You see, what we say and believe about ourselves can be like a huge display sign. Um, for some people, they seem to just give off an invite of being a dumping ground. Here I am, dumped your toxic waste here, done it all my life, part of my identity, dispose of your garbage here. And on the website, on the blog that I've written today, is is a, a picture of um, a graffiti artist who's um, graffitied a, a painting on a wall and it says Bella which means beautiful, and it's an extremely um, a passionate looking uh, sign. <laughs> but underneath, people have just piled up rubbish if, as if that is the dumping place to pull your rubbish. And it so speaks to what um, we I see a lot in a lot of people's lives, that they're beautiful, but they've got a lot of rubbish that's been dumped at their feet. Whereas um, others, know the beauty and worth of their soul and they say look no dumping allowed too much beauty here to be contained by your but to be contaminated by your garbage just move on <laughs> take your stuff elsewhere <laughs> yeah you know they've come to understand their beauty as um like what jesus described in some parables about like being a lost coin but that's been found and just the joy oh wow i've got this lost coin or as an object of angels rejoicing. How about that? Just angels rejoicing over you. Or this um, beautiful pearl that you sell everything to get. Or a treasure that's hidden in a field that, that's under, under a whole lot of rubbish, but it's there and it's so amazing. Or a child loved by a parent. When I'm talking about that, that, that prodigal son that comes home to... A father running and leaping and dancing with joy that he's home. So the first thing is to really understand your worth and your value. And it's not determined by what others say about you. Not by their goat blaming stuff. The second thing is discover who is crossing the line. Look, there, there's a line. It's a thin, invisible line where all communications cross over. Some people call it a boundary. I prefer to call it a line. It's called a line of love and respect. You know, you may have heard people say, you've crossed a line. Yeah, you've crossed a line there. Well, it's that line. That line when you know something is not right, where people have been intrusive without an invite. You know, <laughs> Yet you have to learn about your line and to take note of who keeps crossing it. <sighs> who is the one looking to scapegoat on you? Who is playing the blame game? Who is projecting and vomiting stuff onto you that has nothing to do with you at all? Who keeps crossing your lines of love and respect? Look, don't victimise yourself or get angry with them. Just take a gentle note to self of when this happens and who does it the third thing to do is ask some questions 
You see, asking questions gives the brain uh, a new track to go down. And instead of being a receptor, start to be a questioner. What is mine to own, ours to share, or totally theirs? <laughs> so, is this mine? Okay, did I do this? Is it my responsibility? Look, we all make mistakes, bad choices, sin, miss the mark, and are guilty as charged. We all, we all do dumb things. We all make mistakes. We've got to own it. It's okay. We are human. And the second thing, the second part of this is, is this ours? Like, it's a shared responsibility. Like, they're, they're trying to make you fully responsible. But as you think things through, you recognize that actually others were involved. So take responsibility for what you did, but also realize that others failed too. And what I'd like you to do is actually come over to the website and check out um, a blog post I wrote years ago called uh, what, che what Swiss Cheese Taught Me About Forgiveness. And um, you'll have to read it to understand um, about Swiss Cheese. But <laughs> the third category is, is this theirs to own? Look, you had nothing to do with it. It's their issue, not yours. And you can just say, hold on, that, that's, that's not me. I don't have anything to do with that. That's their shit. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's their stuff. Fourth thing about how to stop being a, the scapegoat. You got, got to wash that goat right out of your hair. <laughs> and I think of that, I didn't put this in the blog post, but um, that musical Oklahoma, I think it is, or um, one of those classic musicals where there's the lady and she's washing hair and she's got to wash that man right out of my hair. And so we've got to wash that stinky scapegoat stench out of our souls. You know, some people, they just reek with goat. <laughs> it doesn't serve the beauty and value contained within them. Look, God wants to wash us with pure, clean, fresh water that cleans the dirt and filth out of our lives. You know, Ezekiel, um, he said that God wants to sprinkle clean water on you, for you will be clean. Your filthiness will be washed away. Isn't that amazing so you know are you willing to have that goat reek smell washed right out of your hair <laughs> it might take a few, a few um, efforts to do that <laughs> you know this is where forgiveness and grace are soap and shampoo for the soul <laughs> I love that and we extend um, the spiritual practice of forgiveness to both ourselves and others. We walk in grace, not condemnation. The fifth thing to do to help stop being a scapegoat is build stronger lines. Now, we already talked about what a line is, you know, when people cross. Um, but there seems to be those who seem to have a mission in life to shift blame and not take responsibility for their own stuff. And on the blog post, I've got a picture of this lady, and I've used her before. Um, it's a cartoon. It's a lady called Gloria, and she's got this, like, steel um, um, dress that she's wearing. It's got big pokey nails sticking out from it, and she's wearing steel mask, and she's got attitude, and nobody comes near her. 
you know, and she, <laughs> you don't cross the line with me, mate, you're going to get it. And under the caption, the caption for it is that harmony is no longer a part of Gloria's belief system. <laughs> and so she's saying, if you try and cross the line with me, mate, you're going to get, you're going to get it. <laughs> I really love that cartoon. You know, and there's a case for actually defending the line. Look, I'm not suggesting you become a violent or over-the-top type person like Gloria. You know, it's a cartoon. But more so, you need to recognise that you have something valuable inside and that it's worthy of protection. You know, when I talk about increasing the pushback and protecting the inner self, I tell people about two dogs, and it's our two dogs, well actually one of them's died, but uh, for a time we had two dogs, and we've got the small little one, which is just down there, <laughs> and she is cute, she's a Shih Tzu Maltese cross, cute, yappy, and quite frankly, most visitors who come to the house don't feel threatened by her at all. In fact, um, when she barks, um, she you know, when everybody comes in, she might bark at them and then she quickly runs away. The other dog, who sadly died recently, was a pound dog, and he was big, muscled, jump the fence, rip your throat out type dog, you know, and <laughs> he, 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 nobody would take him on. Now, guess who got more respect? You see, you see, there's a progression. We start pleasant and nice, like a little yappy dog, but if pleasant and nice isn't met with respect, we actually slowly have to become more and more assertive to a point where we may have to become the rip the throat out type of dog protecting its home. It's a progression, it's a, it's a skill to learn. Uh, you know, it's about seeing that quiet and beautiful strength within you and having a sign that says, no dumping here. You know, and also I find that to defend the line, it's good to have a few questions prepared for those people who want to scapegoat. Questions like, um, so how is that my responsibility? Or why do you think I should take for some for responsibility for something I didn't have any involvement in? They're just gentle pushbacks, not, not aggressive, but just questions. And I've got a little picture on the website which says, um, keep calm and don't dump your rubbish here. <laughs> the sixth thing is speak truth to the lies. Now, what are you saying to yourself? How are you training your brain onto truth-filled paths? Look, I suggest you take some of these, um, I've got a whole lot of little sentences here, thinking compass points and repeat themself, repeat them to yourself daily. So here's a few that I've written down. I am discovering my worthiness of love grace and forgiveness, especially self-forgiveness. I'm embracing my humanity and how, as a human, I don't always get things right. It's okay to fail. I'm taking responsibility for my choices, but not the choices of others. I'm holding myself to a standard of grace, not perfection. I am nobody's scapegoat. <laughs> I take responsibility for myself, not for them. I'm nobody's projector screen that's been rolled up and thrown away. I'm discovering that how people treat me may say more about them 
that it does about me. I'm learning that my response is my responsibility and their response is their responsibility. I am nobody's scapegoat, whipping boy or doormat. I have incredible worth and value. I am experiencing the cool, clear waters of God washing the goat stench of shame, blame and guilt right out of my hair. A few final thoughts. Uh, Sometimes we may think that people are scapegoating us, but actually they aren't. You know, we feel they are doing this, but it may not actually be the case. You know, and perhaps there have been so many instances, particularly in childhood, like Jenny at the start of our story, where scapegoating has happened and now there's like a giant Grand Canyon-sized rut or thinking track in the brain that every negative um, thing falls into. And so we, we feel like we are being scapegoated. And so therefore, it must be true. You see, feelings can be misleading and can be terrible guides to the truth. You know, echoes and ghosts of the past can mingle with the present. And our brain concludes that what we're experiencing the now is exactly the same as back then. So we need to gently ask ourselves this question. Is what I am interpreting in the now as scapegoating a feeling or a fact? Now, <coughs> fact-based scapegoating is someone actually blamed you unfairly for something that has happened to them, something you had no responsibility for. And look, you can tangible evidence of accusation spoken or written. They said, I was the one responsible, but I wasn't. Fear-based scapegoating? Well, there is no tangible of ex no tangible evidence of accusation. I feel like I'm being made a scapegoat. And you've got to remember that feelings do not make it so. Now this is very important to understand, particularly if you have a very sensitive feelings radar. <laughs> okay, some people have more, have a greater sensitivity to these things than others. And like you pick up on every little aspect of nonverbal communication and believe all your interpretations to be 100% true. They're not. No one's interpretations of communication are 100% true. But the brain wants to keep us safe and in familiar territory. So we go with what feels safe. You know, it's time to care for your inner child and speak loving and compassionate truth. You know, and Paul, in, in the chapter of love in 1 Corinthians 13, he writes this. It's like this. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child does. But when I became a man, or, or an adult, my thoughts grew far beyond those of my childhood. And now I have put away childish things. Are you inviting God to heal the brain and mature your thinking away from childhood reasoning? I think it's time to tell the scapegoat to sit down and shut up and go. <laughs> Here's some quotes. People love the quotes. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Eleanor, Eleanor Roosevelt. But one of the greatest challenges of the spiritual life is to receive God's forgiveness. There is something in human, us humans that keeps us clinging to our sins and prevents us from letting God erase our past and offer us a completely new beginning. Henri Nguyen. The most important things are what God did before I was conceived, before I was born. He knew me, 
therefore I'm no accident. He chose me, therefore I cannot be a zero. He gave me, therefore I must not be a consumer. Eugene Peterson. If I let someone else, if I let someone abuse me verbally, I've done neither one of us a favour. Anne Catherine. Believing all of my emotions is the shortest way to the loop of, into the loop of insanity. First the truth, then faith in the truth, then the feelings will come around. David Riddell. To achieve radical change, I need to call some of my feelings liars and choose to side with the truth against my own emotions until my feelings come around. David Riddell. Get control of your feelings before your feelings get control of you. Emotions are not a reliable guide to how things are. Your feelings are not, David Riddell, your feelings are not a reliable guide to what you should and shouldn't do. They merely reflect subconscious belief, which may need to be examined. An important decision I made was to resist playing the blame game. Blame game. <laughs> The day I realise that I am in charge of how I will approach problems in my life, that things will turn out better or worse because of me and nobody else, that was the day I knew I would be happier and healthy person. Be a happier and healthier person. That was the day I knew I could truly build a life that matters. Steve Goodyear. And I've got a couple of posts here on the on the on the page where I've talked about some of these things before. But hey, um scapegoats I don't want you to reek like a goat <laughs> I really don't perhaps this might be something you want to um, send me an email about barry at turningthepage.co.nz perhaps it might be something you'd like to talk to me about um, and we can chat and uh, on zoom and uh, love to do that but hey um, just thanks for watching listening and thank you so much to uh, the people that give um, a little bit each month uh, like a little like a dollar US dollar a month it just helps so much and you can learn how to do that via Patreon and other ways if you come over to the website turningthepage.co.nz forward slash support okay until next week tell that scapegoat to shut up <laughs> sit down and shut up and go bye <laughs>